The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, it's been a hot couple of days for you. Um, I, uh, I know the other day you were, what were you doing? You were actually covering your cameras in, in, in ice cubes or something. Yeah, I was doing, I was filming. I did, the, there was a charity thing that happens in Malmesbury. Yeah. Every year or so, um, musical thing, and they, they do it in, during lockdown, and like now they do it in the Abbey House Gardens. Oh, is this the one? Yeah, this is the one you did last year, wasn't it, with the, the socially distanced music event thing? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. they've done another one. This time they did um, uh, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, the entire album. Right. And of course, it's easy filming them live. We're on stage because basically they only get one hit at it. If yeah. they get it wrong, yeah. <laughs> you know, they That's go it. to the next yeah. track. But but filming it when they're doing it uh, for a YouTube video is harder because they, uh, you know, they do multiple takes until they get it right. And, of course, you don't know which one's right and which one's going to be the one. Uh, and coupled with that, so it was about 12 hours. And coupled with that, it was what, 34 degrees. We had the temperature gauge in just where we were stood because there was no air, no wind. Uh, it was awful. I had to get the um, I had to get one of the, the girls to um, go and get her cool bag from her house and I was plunging the cameras in ice, believe it or not. <laughs> well, in ice, in an ice box. You know those plastic things that yeah, freeze yeah. up? Yeah, you weren't literally putting them in an ice <laughs> ice bath, like the Wim Hof challenge for cameras. Well, the ones I've got on loan from Fujifilm, I was just sticking in, in water, <laughs> yeah. But, but my ones, I was, I was being a bit You're more careful. looking after. Did you get good stuff? Well, you've got the edit to do now. It's the hardest bit <sighs> to do. I don't think people realise that, you know, when they say, oh, you just rock up, make a couple of pictures and off you go, the hardest bit's still to come. It is absolutely brutal. That edit yeah. is going to be brutal as well. It was like the dynamic range was awful because half of them were inside a covered area, half weren't, and then all the clips. And so the sound engineer will do the will master the sound and get me the the takes. I then have to match it all up. Uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, uh, well, you know it's that a big old thing. You know that August you usually take off. Fujicast. It's not happening this year, is it? <laughs> it's not happening. Oh dear, Kev, that's your that's your holiday gone. I'm very tired. Well, I bet you are. You said you'd had something like four hours sleep the last couple of nights. I've been doing other stuff as well, so I've been having to get up in the middle of the night to monitor um, some stuff that's going on. Uh, uh. All's fair in Mullins land, though. Just think of the money, Kev. <laughs> think of the money. Spandulies. Yeah, you and your questions today. Welcome to the Fujicast from our electronic mailbag and, of course, also through the Fujicast private Facebook group. Kev looks after the Facebook questions and uh, I look after the, the emails that you send in. If you're not a Fujifilm shooter, do not worry. It's a big community and whatever flavour you shoot, you're very, very welcome. Thank you to those of our friends that support us on Patreon. We got a Have we got a book of the week? Or, or have you been so busy you've not brought one in this week? <laughs> no, I haven't. Got, you got, one. got one it's called uh do photo do photo yeah it's not in traditional photo book i'll explain when we get to it it's a lovely lovely little book all right okay um and of course uh as always uh some of the subjects now I'll pick up on one on, on a moment they get discussed after the show usually in the private facebook group which you're welcome to become a member of and um, we have a guest today, um, a friend of the show, a photographer and an independent camera store owner to boot, uh, Pascal Diamond, who Kev spoke to last week. Right. Oh, yes. Let me talk about this thing, Kev, that I saw. It was on Facebook. Where is it? Oh, Dave Brown in the in the group. Did you see, did you see the Tamron just announced in development 18 to 300 millimeter? Uh, yeah, I did for, see that. For the yeah. Fujifilm X bound. He says, well, it looks like we can expect some more third party manufacturer support from the X system. I know many will poo poo, 
but just as many will welcome the choice. Why, why, why are people a bit reticent about it, Kev? Well, um, I don't know. I think it's good. You yeah. know, I mean, Fujifilm, I think it was about 18 months ago that they opened up the uh, the AF, um, well, I don't know what they would call it, um, paradigm, heuristics, API, whatever, I don't know what the technical term of it is, but mm. the, the ability for other cameras to um, hook into, uh, other manufacturers to hook into the autofocus. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing for the Fujifilm system. You know, more lens choice means probably more camera sales. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, well, I think it's a good uh, thing. Particularly with brands like Sigma, people love the Sigma art range, don't they? For for various brands. And that's yeah, I never. I had a Sigma camera when I had my when I was shooting with my Canon. Sigma lens, one of the art ones. The Sigma lens, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. a Sigma lens. Oh, I told. I'd been. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kev, I I'll was catch here you. At half four. I'll, I'll yeah. catch you. I, I'm like that little net in the in the circus. Jump, Kev, jump! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make sure you do catch it and don't move right away at the last minute. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had a Sigma lens. It yeah. wasn't, it was way before the art um, things came out, but yeah. it was, yeah, it was great. I think it was like a 105mm 2.8 or something for Canon. Yeah, it was lovely little I thing. Had a, yeah, I think I had the 85. Well, I did. No, I did. I had the 85mm art lens, which was superb. Sharp as, um, what are you supposed to say? T tack, sharp, sharp, tack, tack, nails, or whatever. Uh, I've not been up <laughs> as long as you either, and mm -hmm. uh, but I found that it was um, it was a little bit um, too easy to damage. But I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't made as well as as the proprietary uh, lenses that I had for the system at the time. Thumpingly right. good lens in terms of um, optics, but a bit too easy to dent. <laughs> Sounds like me. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, Kev. But Tamron is on the way, and uh, um, and there's a post about it in the Fujicast Facebook group. So, questions, questions. I'm talking to Facebook. Do you want Do you want to go first, then? I shall go first. Thank you. We've had a few questions this week, which is great. Um, so, I, as I always do, I will start with the last one. And this is from Albert uh, Villaroman. Uh, he says, I'm going to do the 24-hour project this Saturday in New York City. Uh, I'm going to try and figure out whether I should pack light or carry a backpack to have some essentials like a battery pack and water bottle. Mm. What would you carry around the city for a whole 24 hours? Well, Kev, I think, at the moment. I mean, he'd be so tired, I'd have to carry Kev. I would oh. need carrying, yeah. <laughs> I would have to put you in the camera bag. <laughs> Take all the dividers out for once. Make sure there's enough room for you and carry Kev. Uh, I, honestly, I don't. I don't think I've ever been quite as exhausted. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, this 24-hour thing is this the um, this is that that global thing that happens all over the world, isn't it? I think. Um, so by the time this comes out, um, mm -hmm. Albert, you will have done it presumably. So uh, I hope it went well. Um, but yeah, you've got to. I mean, New York City, middle of July, end of July. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot, roasting, hot, isn't it? Hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially with all the global warming stuff that's going on at the moment. Floods, fires, hot, cold. I know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, water. Definitely take take some stuff to carry water for absolute sure. I mean, mi I mi minimum of, of camera um, kit, really. I'd do it with just X100V, I have to say. Yeah, I was about to say, would you would you just do it with that? Because you've, yeah. got, a, you've got the 23mm lens on there, 35mm effective length for those that need that converting. I know you don't like that, Kev. That that sh that should do the job nicely for you, shouldn't it? Yeah, I mean it depends on the style. If you if you're more into getting kind of street portraits and things like that, then Which maybe you want something a little bit longer. Well, but I don't know. That would be perfect for it. You I mean you might have to get close in a, a you know closer yeah. than you might feel comfortable with, but pretty you know, twenty three millimeter length for for street work is spot on, isn't it? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It, like I say, it depends on on really what you're trying to do. But I, I mean, I I love shooting in New York. I've done it a few times, and I like the X100V. Actually, probably the best time I had in New York was when I just took my X70 out for a few hours. Mm. Loved that. That was ace. You know, totally, totally discreet. It just looks like a mobile phone in your hand. Boom. Where you go? A few spare batteries. You well, could, you could what f- I was going to say was, if you, it, yeah, Albert doesn't say what 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 equipment he actually has. So if you've got an X100V or an X T4 or 3 or Pro or whatever one of the, anyway the latest ones I'd probably just take one of those uh, power dis, uh, power power banks power banks <laughs> jump Kev jump uh, I'll catch you I, I got one somewhere here um and and actually they're brilliant the yeah. ones the one I've got I can't, it's anchor that's the make of it anchor a n k e r yeah yeah but the power dispersion one is the one you want and I I, I did all that filming on um Thursday um, I had an XT4, uh, which which is on loan, and I just had it running off that power bank all day, twelve hours. Wow! Didn't didn't change batteries once. Change it once. Wow! So that's probably the way I'd go. In in that thirty, what was it? Four degrees? Did you say? It was thirty four where we were Th- standing. 34. But I would imagine the actual temperature was like thirty one, thirty degrees in in real life. And in terms of overheating, which you would not blame any camera for doing when when you were filming, because that's constantly on. And what what was the one that? that was overheating for you? Well, it was the one that was in the direct... So I had a locked-off camera, which was my X-T3. Right. Um, and that was that was in direct sunlight, basically, for about eight hours. Oh, my word. Um, <laughs> no wonder so it overheated. We, we started shooting 4K, but yeah. I only did the first song in 4K. And then I, we, I went down, I told the, the, the others who were filming with me to go down to full HD because that's a lot less power-intensive. And then yeah, so they both they both kind of complained a little bit about the the heat at some point. The XT4 was good actually because it would you've got this option to set when it tells you it's too not set when it tells you when it's too hot, but it'll say, look, I'm getting hot. You know, think about it. And then after a little, and it it says that in yellow letters. And then after a little while, it gets angry at you and it says it in red letters. It says, look, I'm really f***ing hot now. You need to think about stopping this recording. And so yeah, it's good. It's good like that. But yeah, I mean. it was just constant heat. My Fujifilm cameras—they don't—they don't curse. Yours do. Yeah, mine do. I've taught them well. <laughs> <laughs> right, Tim Binder. I currently own an XT1, X Pro One, uh, X100F, and XT3. Your life is sorted, Tim. Uh, I do not shoot to sell, and photography is 100% a passion, not done for a living. I absolutely love the look of the older sensors, and I'm finding uh, more often I'm grabbing my XT1 and probably my X Pro One. Uh, soon uh, you know the old if there was a fine you could only grab one camera question i know this is my decision but not shooting fast moving images not selling my work would it be would it be daft of me to stay with the xt1 and x pro one and sell the other two um or another option is to sell the x100f and xt3 and buy a buy an x100v but i, I don't use the x100f that often and if you like the older sensors, I and mean, I love using the X Pro One with the, and it was Tim that sent in a vintage lens, uh, the the twenty eight mm vintage lens. Um, yeah, I mean if you if you like if you like the rendition, well, why not? Yeah, and, and, and perhaps sell the later cameras that you have and have the X one hundred V, so you can have a little bit of low light fun as well. Um, because the X Pro One and XT One are not a lot of fun in low light. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think yeah, go with what. Go with what makes you happy. Go with what makes you smile. This is why I'm on my second wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Well, there we go. (laughs) 
that's that one sorted then, Tim. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm, and obviously, you can't be trading in wives. I'm not, not even for an X100V. Oh, no, no. The money goes out, not comes in when you swap. <laughs> right, Kev, move on quickly before you do too much damage. All right. Um, oh, Scotland's finest firefighter, Murray McMillan, says, uh, Hey, Kevin Neal, wondering if you both had a chance to catch the recent BBC show, The Great British Photography Challenge. And if so, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, he goes on to say, I like Rankin's work. Uh, so Rankin was the, um, the, the, the main kind of That's protagonist, right, yeah. whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, I found the show entertaining. I'd have loved to do something like that. I wondered what the selection process is for something like that. It seemed a little bizarre, as one of the photographers didn't seem to understand even the exposure triangle on one of the episodes. I'd have thought maybe they had to be at a certain level to be included. Um, anyway, great show, he says. Uh, no spoilers as, the win- as to the winner, if you've not seen it yet. No, well, I've not seen it. I'm not in charge of the telly box in our house at all. So often people say to me, have you watched, and you must, w-, and, you, and this one's, and I'm thinking, well, I'm never going to see it because I'm never in charge of the telly box. Yeah. Uh, so I, I haven't saw, seen it, haven't I seen it. I saw like half of one of them. So that obviously means it didn't grab your attention. Well, it didn't, but I agree with Murray, actually. I think it was, it seemed pretty good. And, and you know, he says, you know, one of the people didn't have a clue about, you know, exposure and stuff like that. And if you look at any of these these shows, you know, there's always some fella on the baking programme that doesn't even know which way to put his cupcakes up. Well, you know? Yeah, and that's you cast those people because they, yeah. they make entertainment. I know that yeah, sounds a bit exactly. cruel, but that yeah. you, you put them in the same as they do with The Apprentice. You think, is that is that the <laughs> finest you can do? I can't watch that show, The Apprentice. They, they really do find the worst possible people <laughs> yeah oh, no. yeah i know i tell you what i ha- i did watch i watched and i absolutely love it and and it's really really cool it's called glow up glow up called glow up yeah it's 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 exactly the same as all these things you know baking and photography and everything but it's makeup artists and right. these people are absolutely phenomenally talented oh. uh, apart from there's, you know, there's usually one person who just draws a big circle on their forehead or something at the beginning but other than that i mean they are incredible. I love it. It's proper art. Um, glow up. Yeah, really good. Oh. oh, no, I've not seen that. I know Rankin, though, going back to that one before we get too sidetracked, he did get a bit of a he got, he got a bit of a duffing from from uh, some photographers. I couldn't. I was thinking at, at, at the time. I was thinking, well, this is clearly because people are very jealous about Rankin presenting it, and as, as any any photographer that puts him or herself out there. To present that program, you're always going to get the those that say, "Oh, wasn't I didn't think they were very good." Well, I, was it ranking that put you off, or was it was it just the format, Kev, or what no, was it? Uh, I just didn't, I just didn't catch it again. I think I Did think it was not? on a funny time, and yeah. uh, I might go and see if it's still on the iPlayer. I find it quite interesting. I mean, I would, I would much prefer something like that with uh with ranking if it was if it was more like glow up where these are these are like you know they're not professionals but they are they're top of their game so i would love to see you know a, a tv show where it's you know it's all about kind of trying to produce those amazing portraits that ranking does and stuff like that because i think the one that i watched was you know go outside take a picture of you know a, a tree or something so oh. it, it was you know it, it, that didn't capture my attention but I, you know i i like ranking I'd, I'd like to see something a little bit more um focused i suppose do you, you know what, what ranking's real name is no john waddell is it yeah john well ranking is his middle name by birth i think so john ranking waddell all right okay hmm. um 
The other thing to remember with programmes like that is that um, we like to think that it's only photographers that watch them, but it's not. The larger audience is is probably not going to be toting a mirrorless or DSLR or whatever. They're, they're probably going to be using iPhones and smartphones. And yeah. the, the, the large majority of the audience out there. It's very dif- difficult, I think, to make any kind of programme that talks to everybody. Yeah. And that's probably worth remembering as well. But I, I must go and... If I can, if I can snatch back the, the telly box for one evening, maybe I, I'll go and watch a few. No, go and watch Glow Up. It's oh, Glow Up instead. All right. Yeah, love it. Um, brew dog mystery. Kev, solved. Oh, solved. Yeah. Who we, is it then? We got some brew dogs, didn't we? It was James, yeah. James Souls. Ah. Yeah. James. Glad the beers went down while well, he says. I've not tried the Elvis juice ones yet, but they sounded rather interesting. Have you had the Elvis juice ones yet? That sounds very rude. Are they the ones you gave to me? Yes. Of course I had them. <laughs> you probably had them. You gave them to me, uh, like... <laughs> two, two weeks ago almost now. <laughs> I had them. Well, I don't know. You may, you may sort of... I waited till he walked out the door, and then I just threw them all in my face. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, we we split the pack. Well, Kev, Kev, Kev had two packs. I had one because I knew he was in desperate need of them. <laughs> oh, is that, I didn't know that. I thought you had two as no, well. No, 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 Kev. No, I, no, I didn't, didn't do it like that. Your need is greater than mine at the moment. Never mind, never mind. Oh, poor James. He was meant to be on my workshop on Monday, but oh. I had to cancel it. Because well, you, got, you got beer instead. <laughs> I, got, I got really pissed, yeah. No, I, I, I had to cancel it because um, some of the people who were coming had been pinged. Ping, ping. Oh, had they? Yeah, oh. and one of the others was, was a bit uncomfortable about travelling to London and stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah so... So sorry you couldn't come on my workshop, James. But Thanks enjoy, for the beer. En- enjoyed the beer. <laughs> when when do your workshops? Um, I, I know that you've been really disappointed, of course, not being able to host them, and the pinging thing is uh, that's a whole debate all of its own. But when do you think it's safe to go back out to the street with your workshops, Kev? Uh, I'm not putting any online now until uh, until it looks. You know, you just don't know. I mean, everybody's saying now that in in the middle of August we'll you know we're going to have ridiculously like higher numbers than we've ever had. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and please God, it will still be a lot less people dying from it. But you know, and and the thing is, that's just going to put people off. So I'm just yeah. I'm just holding fast now. I mean, I've done one street photography workshop in eighteen months. I used to do three a month, four a month. I know. I yeah, know. I noticed by the way you didn't respond to my suggestion of doing a, a James Revilius type one where you just went down to Devon and photograph people along country lanes. That'd be yeah, safe, no, uh, where did you post that? No, I, no, I sent it to you, you by email. Was that on sent, Messenger? Um, yeah, uh, it might, might have been on Messenger. <laughs> yeah. One of those, Kev, I've got a great idea. Why don't we try that? Why, why didn't you try this? Yeah, no, I, I've done things like that before, actually. Um, we went to, where did we go? We went to uh, um, just off the coast of, where's um, Western Superman? What county is that in? Uh, Somerset. Somerset, yeah. So somewhere inland in Somerset. Um yeah, similar kind of thing, but I have got, I've got a really good idea for a really cool workshop. Right. Um, Are you going to tell us? No. Oh. <laughs> no, because it's 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 a really good idea, and it needs. There's a lot of pins that need to fall into place, right? If that's the analogy. Um, so no, but I, yeah, I will do that um, at some point. But at the moment, I've just lost all interest in it. You know, it's like I just can't. I can't organise it. I've had to give back so much money yeah. over the last sixteen months, and fairly, you know, it's it's not fair to for the people who are, who are due to come as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in my mind, I'm probably thinking September, late September, October. I'm hoping that by then, you know, it will just be 
a long forgotten well, blip not, on the landscape. I'm not sure it's going to be a long forgotten blip on the landscape ever, Kev. But, we said uh, that last. We said that last March, didn't we? Yeah, April. <laughs> All those. I, I remember re- reading at the time, or I still read to these days when I'm, I'm reading bios of people that I'm going to interview, where they were saying, "Well, we locked down, but I thought it'd only be about two weeks, and we'd all be out again." <sighs> but um, yeah. I'm dying to know about this. Uh, I, I can't ask you anymore because you're not going to tell me, are you? No. Well, I'll, I'll tell you privately. Will you? I'm just not going to tell. James, send more brew dog. He might tell us publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, urgent, brew dog, yeah, send it to Malmesbury. Just all you need to do on the on the on the packet this time is put Kev Mullins, brew dog, and, <laughs> and it will get to him. Because postman, who is it? Postman Matt. Postman Matt. He'll find you. In fact, don't even put Kev Mullins on the front. Just put brew dog, urgent, and postman <laughs> Matt will know that he has to take that to Kev. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a I had a lens turned up the other day uh, from Futurefilm, and uh, it was. I, I, I got a, a message to Andreas to say, it hasn't arrived yet. And he's like, oh, according to this, it's been delivered. Oh, no. So off I went. I went to the hairdressers, which is usually where my stuff ends up. Uh, I wasn't there. And I came back into the studio, and it was on my sofa. So <laughs> uh, the lovely, um, I've got John. John is my postman at the moment. He's he just John. He just wandered in. He probably saw I had my headphones on and just stuck it on my sofa and <laughs> wandered out again. I hope you weren't wearing your underpants like you usually are, just your underpants, nothing else. Uh, do you know what? I've only got three pairs of oh. like cargo shorts. You oh, know, right. like yeah. shorts you can wear out rather yeah. than in a swimming pool. Yeah. So uh, today I'm in jeans and I am literally melting. Yeah, shorts, Kev, shorts. I know. I'll need to buy some more. But then what? it's going to rain again on Saturday, isn't it? I'm no, get thunder and is lightning. It? And... No. Oh. Yeah, it's coming. We're getting these huge storms. Are we? Oh dear. Well. Yeah. That doesn't bode well. Uh, Johan Borhead, hi fellas, what's your take on watermarks? Do they have a time and place? I tend to use them as my business card uh, when I do volunteer work because some people tend to forget to give credit to the photographer, dot, dot, dot. Yes, they do. Do you use them? And uh, in that case, when and why? Um, For wedding pictures now, I have to say I I don't really use them. I know that you do. You put your mullins in, in the bottom, don't you? And it's not I do that, and it's on not, my website. Yeah, yeah it's but not that I don't place any value on them, Kev. It's just that I know that people like look. They're wedding pictures. They're pictures I'm proud of, but they're unlikely to be pictures that are, that and the couples have given me you know permission to use them. Yeah, but they're unlikely to be pictures that are going to sell for gazillions. Uh, but yeah. I know there's always the but they could have good PR value and somebody will look in the bottom right hand corner and say oh Mullins or Neil James or whatever and and go searching for you but I can't remember a time when when ever somebody said oh I saw your little caption in the bottom and I knew it was you and I looked it up on Google and here I am yeah no absolutely I, the reason why I have mine there is on my wedding website because a because it looks quite nice um and b just purely because i often actually not so much these days but used to um you know a lot of the times the images were used for you know on other websites you know about fujifilm and stuff like that which is fine um so that that's generally the reason but i don't do it on social media at least unless i'm just copying one off my website certainly don't do it for the clients and and yeah i have i i really i understand if you're a commercial photographer for sure and you sell rights to your images uh you know a, a subtle watermark makes sense but what i don't like is those you know what you see wedding photographers who you know we've just kind of we both agree that really no one's going to nick a wedding photo and they stick a massive watermark with a great big swirly thing or something right in the middle of the picture yeah, yeah don't like that yeah right. it takes my eye away from the picture 
Yeah, we can't see the picture, can you? Because it's a massive swirly thing well, in the way. Yeah. But even those that have this sort of slightly more, uh, or slightly smaller swirly thing, it's still, for me, it just takes my eye away from the picture. So when I'm sort of showing stuff, I like, mm. like it to be un, unwatermarked. I don't, you know, I don't want it to... Yeah, be, my advice is if you're going to put a watermark, yeah. keep it subtle, keep it lower left. Yeah. And right. you know, if, if you're not cons- if you're not commercial, this is, and you're not yeah. kind of selling rights, and, and uh, drop the saturation, have it faded, so yes. you know you can see see the image in the background as well. On my on my website, the one thing I did do when I was I was thinking, well, if I'm going to use watermarks, I'll use something that might be handy in terms of uh, of somebody then using it to look for you, uh, which slightly contradicts what I've just said, but but um, so I use my at Neil James, so it you know they say, oh, that must be the Instagram. Um, yes. So I, I thought that idea. might be quite a, a useful tool as as much as anything. I made a big mistake when I first started using Twitter a billion years ago. So my Twitter and my Instagram handles are different, which is annoying because you can't just use no, at Kevin Mullins yeah. Photography no. because then oh. it doesn't work on Twitter. So And you can change it. You can change your, your Twitter handle, but then you lose, you know, all of everybody who's tweeted you and stuff like that. But in terms of Johan, um, yes, good idea to use when... You're doing that that kind of work that you say because yes, uh, people do forget to give credit to the photographer. Um, that that would be a good time. Um, I I concur. Right, Kev. Um, I think it's time to to hear from our guest this week, and it's a Kev special where you've been off to find and talk to a few more of our friends of the show. This time, Pascal Diamond, who owns the only independent camera store in the north of Ireland. Quite the feat, particularly at a time some larger camera stores complain of sales moving primarily online, but it's all about the customer and the service, as you're about to find out. It's helped by having a a photography relationship with the gear you choose too, as in the case of Fujifilm and Pascal Diamond. The first question I need to ask you, Pascal, how do you get the name Pascal Diamond being in Northern Ireland? Where's that come from? Um, Well, actually, my birth name as the certificate is Gabriel Pascal, but uh, the the name Pascal sort of came from my grandmother and she insisted that it take precedent over Gabriel. So um, that that sort of stuck with me. Yeah, well, you're uh, talking to Neil, obviously, he's got about 25 different names, so uh, yes. <laughs> you're, you're not alone. Okay, Pascal, so um, we've got you on the show uh, because, you know, I really like your pictures, we really like your pictures, but also because we want to talk about your um, your store. And, you know, one of the things that comes up on the podcast quite often, I would say, we often get emails from people saying, you know, uh, don't link to Amazon, don't do this, don't do that, you know, support the support the local stores. And I always buy my my cameras. Uh, if I'm not buying them direct from Fujifilm, I buy them from, a, you know, an independent. And, and you are the uh, only independent camera store in Northern Ireland? Yes, that's correct. Um, I have been for probably 12 years now. The business originally started under the name of Victoria Cameron Video Centre Limited. It was formed by two guys of the name of Gary Bradley and Stanley McElreevy. And they, they started the business in the late 1980s. Really, that time in Belfast, there, in the city centre, there was about four or five independent shops. And then in the sort of the greater Belfast area, there would have been probably another three or four, but there never was really thing any camera stores outside of sort of the Belfast area. And uh, they were in a very fortunate position where, you know, they had a, had a really good business and a good business 
ethic where it wasn't a commission-led business. It was really about putting the customer first and, and giving them what they needed. We, we, it just has been something that I've sort of adhered to and followed through all these years later. I think you started there really quite young. Is that right? Yes. Well, my real, I suppose, earliest interest would have been at school when I was doing my O-levels. And we were quite uh, fortunate that we had a very passionate photographer and the physics teacher who taught the O-level photography as well. And uh, I had approached him to see about, you know, could I sort of drop my O-level history and join in the, the photography class? And he, he, he just wouldn't permit it. And the sort of the ironic thing is many years later, he became a customer of mine in the shop. So it, it was something I took a bit of pleasure in reminding him of, you know, uh, all those years later. But I never owned a camera. I used to enjoy going into a lot of sort of news agents when I was quite young and, and flicking through all the sort of photographic magazines. And the fashion ones, the high-end ones, typically like Vogue, I sort of steered towards them because of the, the level of photography, especially in black and white. And it was, I had no real interest to be a fashion photographer, but I just loved the style and the way the work was sort of printed and presented. And it stood head and shoulders from everything else. And uh, then probably quite a few years later, uh, after I'd left school, sort of the passion was still there, but I still didn't own a camera. And uh, I, I'd left school, I was supposed to do my A-levels and I decided on the very last day, uh, O-level, that's it, I've, I'm not coming back to school, even though I really enjoyed school. And I went out, uh, became an apprentice joiner and eventually served my apprenticeship and became a, a joiner and, and sort of worked all over the, the north and still no camera, but saw all these amazing places and uh, then this one particular year, I went to uh, Galway on holiday. I just recalled seeing all these amazing buildings and street life and everything. And I said, right, as soon as I come back, I'm, I'm just going to buy a camera. And uh, I went till uh, it was a pharmacy in, again, a local town in the north here in Balamina. And I, I bought my first camera. It was an old X300. And I had researched sort of the camera that I wanted, which was a Nikon FM2N, but I couldn't afford it in the 1980s. And I just, like a lot of people, we just looked longingly and, and uh, sort of desired after these these sort of iconic cameras. But um, I, I bought the Minolta, started to teach myself, uh, really. And it was hard then because you, you had to wait, you know, until your role of film was processed to see what you got back and, unless you took notes to see, you know, what your settings were or whatever, you had no idea when you get your, your set of prints back, you know, what aperture you used or whatever. Um, and then I, I slowly but surely started to move to doing black and white work and very quickly realized that it cost an arm and a leg to, to send black and white film to Pro Labs in London to have a, a, a role processed and a contact sheet made. So then I then looked about developing and setting up my own darkroom. And shortly around this time, I discovered the shop in Belfast called Victoria Cameras. And uh, I got to know the two owners um, quite well in it. And probably after about a year of being a customer with them, 
they had said to me, look, do you fancy being the Saturday boy? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, look, all our staff like to have a, a Saturday off. So do you fancy sort of covering one Saturday each month to let a different member of staff have a day off? And I said, yeah, sure. And what I, I did rather than take pay, I took film and chemicals and paper in, in lieu of uh, a wage. And uh, after probably about six, seven months of that, then they said, look, would you do every other Saturday? That progressed to every Saturday. And probably two years after that, then they said to me, look, do you fancy going for a drink some evening with, with something we'd like to discuss with you? And I said, yeah, sure. And, and it was literally, look, we would like you to come and work full time with us. So uh, <laughs> it didn't take a lot of convincing to leave all the joinery tools uh, behind and all I could think of was like no more stand on a Bolton site in a wet one day day you know and you go into a shop clean warm and dry and you come out the same way so um, I, I, I started that way basically in the shop that, that was my introduction into becoming a member of staff uh, in the shop itself and uh, after I, I was in the shop a while I was given the I suppose, the, the task of, of looking after all the second-hand equipment. And this was long before the days of eBay. So we, we would have had quite an amount of stock coming through the door constantly. And we had a, a large sort of collectible section as well as all the regular uh, equipment and everything. So it was a case of me booking equipment in, testing it, cleaning it and getting it ready to go out on the display. So I'd, I learned quite a lot about all makes of cameras from from all sort of areas, and uh, the the shop then continued to to work away. And the two owners then had uh, decided they would like to open a second shop. And uh, there was a a guy had a photographic studio with a bit of a shop attached to it in a border town in the north here in Enniskillen, and they had thought about buying it, but the the deal fell through, and. On the day that they'd went to see the owner of this other shop, the Gary had been driving back through Cookstown here and he saw the building that the shop was currently in here. He saw it being built and he thought, well, there's a possibility of, you know, a store there. So they, they came and had a look at Cookstown and, and thought, well, look, this could be ideal. It's right in the middle of Ulster. Um, there's no other competition up this way. So we, we gave it a go, and um, 23 years later now, uh, the shop's still here. Belfast closed up about 15 years ago due to redevelopment in the area, and uh, Stanley, who lived quite close to Belfast, um, Stanley had worked 53 years in photographic retail, so he said, look, it's time to hang up the boots. Um, so he he left the business and that left myself and Gary uh, working away here. Eight years ago, Gary dropped the bombshell on me. He said, look, I think it's time I retired. Um, do, you, do you want to stay on and run the business yourself? And at, at first, I was sort of very unsure. I thought, how, how could I possibly sort of take this on and do it myself? But I, I thought, well, it's either that or back to working on a Bolton site again and I really didn't fancy doing that and uh, I was very fortunate that my wife was 110% behind me and 
Maria had said, look, you know, just go and do it. You know, you're there all the time anyway. You know, you know the business. You've been doing it for quite a long time. You're you're well known. You're well liked. Um, so just do it. And, and if it fails for you working on its own, then you can consider doing something else. So eight years later, um, I'm still here flying the flag as the only independent in the north. And uh, we used to joke with a lot of the, the reps from the big companies that would have come over because, again, long before COVID, the reps would have made a visit usually three times a year. And we joked that, you know, we would outlive and, and, and do better than lots of all the big guys. And we've seen, seen lots of the big guys fall by the wayside over the year. And it's, it's horrible to see, you know, people losing their livelihood and, and everything. But um, it's, it's just the way things have changed and moved. And the, the transition from film photography to digital wasn't kind to some dealers. Uh, some, some dealers just really hadn't thought that it would take off and maybe didn't think it was worth pursuing and, and want to move. And, and the way we looked at it is, well, we have to, you know, say that sink or swim. And we, we, we embraced the changes and we, we've done well with them. And now I've sort of continued it on and, and, and uh, still really enjoy it. So it, it, it's essentially not like coming to work, you know, because it's, yeah. it's, it's doing something that you love doing, really. Uh, I think that's, you know, that comes across quite clearly, you know, when I, I, I'm looking at your Instagram account now and, uh, you, you know, you're, there's some wonderful pictures on here. There's, there's some, one, some of them that I, I kind of, uh, I love the, the guy um, having the tattoo. Is that, a, I couldn't figure it out. Is it a tattoo yeah. of a brain yeah, yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, tattoo, yeah. Oh, it's uh, like the tree of life. Oh, it's the tree of life. Sure it is. It's, it's <laughs> just the, the angle that it, uh, that it was uh, photographed at and, uh, the, the the tattoo studio it's actually probably about two hundred yards from me and uh, they're all Polish guys that work in it and they they said look we'd love to have you back so um, I'm really considering going back to try and do a wee project build it up to see what I can get out of it you know just purely mm -hmm. for personal pleasure and I'm happy to give those guys the images to use for whatever they they want to do but. Like a, a lot, a lot of what I photograph typically will be on my morning wanders around the town here, you know, before I open the door at nine o'clock. So I, I enjoy that sort of peace and quiet of just lifting my camera and, and going for a walk. It must be quite um, cathartic, really, working, like giving your whole life to an industry that you actually is also your hobby. Yes. It is. And it, it's nice that I've, I've got the, the support from a lot of the, the companies and I become very much a, a big fan of Fujifilm gear and I, I use an X-Pro3 myself and that was by choice. I, I was still shooting with my Nikon FM2s right up until the release of the X-Pro2 mm -hmm. and uh, when I went over to the photography show, I was actually going over to look at some new Fujifilm equipment for the shop here in the, the printing side of business. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I knew this was just about to be released. And uh, I thought, right, I think this is going to be the camera 
for me because I loved the way cameras were, where you were in control, you had a shutter speed dial, you had an aperture ring, you had an ISO dial. You know, yeah. that's, that's all you needed to make a photograph. I, I, I just love, I love what the, the equipment does and uh, people or my customers sort of feed off my enthusiasm for the equipment mm. and, and the Fujifilm approach to how photography and cameras are. And uh, it, it, it said it, it's lovely that I have that support from the guys at Fujifilm. And I sort of miss the way everything has happened over the last sort of year and a half where they would have come across to do open days here. So who was the rep? Who was the rep? Who was the Northern Ireland rep? Um, well, they, they had uh, a couple of guys in the UK and I would know Andreas there and I'd be talking to him, even though he would be in the, the market and, and Terry mm. then in the market and as well. But the, the other guys, uh, there was a guy called Ross Campbell. He had hung up his boots and then the guy that came off, well, filled uh, Ross's boots then was a guy called Lawrence Wokes. Mm-hmm. And then Lawrence uh, hung up the boots. So it, it was just dealt from with head office. Yeah. You know, and, and they're smashing a bunch of guys and they're really good. So, um, you know, I got to meet Terry a few years ago at the, the last uh, photography show that I got to, um, you know, and I say they were, everybody was so helpful. And they, because they are a smaller company, they have a different outlook and approach. You know, mm-hmm. you're, in, in their head, you count, you know, purely and simply yeah. you're, you know, you're important to them because you're selling their product. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, like, you know, without this being too much of a Fujifilm love fest, <laughs> although it is the uh, Fujicast, um, yes. you know, kind of uh, align the small independent retailers with the com- with a company like Fujifilm because, yeah, as you said, you know, they're small. I mean, I, I've, uh, you know, I've been involved with the uh, the team you know, kind of from the outside, but from the, the kind of designed and developed the X series. Yes. From almost from the beginning, really. And, uh-huh. you know, there was at the beginning, there was just 23 of them, you know, and they kind yeah. of sit in a room and have these meetings and, you know, how can, and the attitude always was uh, based around the photographer, you know, was always, how can we make something that, you know, people want to use, but also that will allow them to make great photographs. Uh, you know, and, and I think that, that kind of makes sense really. Um, okay. So I always ask this question, um, Pascal, and I will ask it to you too. Uh, if you could pick, uh, I know I'm looking at your Instagram feed when I'm I'm asking this question. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of guessing, well, I'm trying to guess who you might say, but who would you pick to maybe spend a day out shooting with, uh, dead or alive? doesn't matter. I would find it hard to nail down, uh, a lot of the guys like, sort of Don McCullen type that were conflict photographers, especially uh, the guys that shot during the Vietnam War and the Korean War. There was something really about the images that they produced. And I suppose we're very fortunate that we're looking at a very romanticized almost view of it because we're sitting in the comfort of our armchairs flicking these sort of beautiful images uh, page by page in a book really what we're looking at is death and destruction. Yeah. And, but those guys put themselves out there for a variety of reasons, both to show what went on in the world, to try and maybe enlighten people and say that, you know, this isn't the answer, killing each other, 
and also to to show something that that they felt was like a burning desire for them to to go out and just take photographs and and I suppose the reason we we own a camera is to want to take photographs purely and simply yeah you know well I, I I'm looking as I said I'm looking at your Instagram feed and it's interesting that right at the beginning you mentioned the black and white because there's there is some black and white and it's beautiful yes. but but mostly it's color and you know I I, I get this strong kind of sense of primary colors there's lots of red blues and yellows and greens yes. um and it, you know it looks really nice and and i thought you might have said somebody like Saul lighter you know i think that you know your, yes. to me your your work kind of uh, has that that kind of twist to oh, it but it's been lovely chatting to you pascal how can uh so especially for the pro listeners who are in northern ireland how can they how can they find you and and uh come and well the 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 shop uh, has the own Facebook page which I tend to post on daily either with maybe just bits of equipment or sometimes I'll just highlight you know showcase a picture that I've taken that morning out on a on a wander so I, I have that the the website is there but it's there more as a shop window for customers because I, I would prefer a customer to talk to face to face because I feel I can offer a better level of just simple service to them as opposed to just looking at anybody's website and picking a product, you know. So it, it's nice to talk to people about what their type of photography is and what they want to get out of it and try and sort of show them, look, well, this camera does this, this camera does that, and, you know, mm-hmm. get them to become passionate about photography also. Uh, thanks to Pascal Diamond. And all the actual links to his Insta, etc., will be on the Fujicast show page today. That's where we keep all these links. And uh, now this week over on my other podcast on Photography Daily, a Wednesday show that's dedicated to Instagram. Do Insta, don't do Insta, do social. Don't do social sounds like a politician, I know. But I've uh, brought in two guests to talk about Insta. Although, actually, even if you've started to see Instagram as that thing to steer clear of, for whatever rational or emotional decision you may have, I think this is still a show that should fascinate. Photographer Johnny Keeley, whose new growing YouTube following is right now based in part about the, the big debate of what's happening in, in Instaland. And Instagram has been a photo app this whole time, and it has had video for a very long time. So I think really all he's saying, I may be wrong, um, all he's saying is that now this is going to be a more ambiguous platform, which is just about sharing you know, what it is that you do through whatever means you want to. And then Helen Jones-Florio, whose intriguing doors project of shop fronts and doorways in Malta and West Africa is an example of how projects can still have a, a great and immediate gallery space on Instagram not a question of likes more a question of seeing the work out there i think i was doing it more and more to begin with i was really like posting a lot almost every day and then i kind of slowed down and now i'm to the point of doing it i do sort of maybe four or five days just to keep it current and also i'm curious because i'm, I'm doing photography prints as well and i have sold a couple from from the instagram feed so one guest is all about what's happening our other is how it can be a great place for project building that's uh, our instagram show on wednesday over on photography daily and of course on friday we go photo walking and on location podcast right back to um back to questions have you got one there in facebook i have mark hall he Mm. says a question for both of you if you could travel anywhere right now to go shoot and money wasn't an issue where would you go i know where i'd go where to my bed (laughs) oh kev 
<laughs> take my camera, put it on my bedside table. Yeah. Listen to my sleepy songs on on iTunes. Uh, not it, I, I it, don't use. Why do I say iTunes? I never use iTunes. No, yeah. Netflix. No, not Netflix. What's the green one? Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. That's it. Here's Kev asleep. A story of Kev asleep. You could set it on timer. One picture every hour. I, I reckon I know I the could timer do doesn't do that, but a straight three days sleeping now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've had this kind of question before, haven't we? And yeah. it, we all, both of us, always go. Mm. But I don't know. Have you got any, Have you got anything in your mind you jump on a plane straight away for? Doesn't have to be a plane. Could be a train. Well, a it, uh, I guess it would be a plane. I know that's not very uh, environmentally friendly of me, but um, I'd like. I'm looking forward to going back to Africa. I said, suggested to you, Kev, we go back to uh, yeah, we go I'd to Africa to together. Um, there's there's um, certain side of. Uh, I mean, I love the Gambia, as you know. Talk, talking constantly about it but there there's a ferry between the banjul and uh, a, a little town on the other side called barra and that sort of crossing with all the busyness of it and it really is it's kind of like it, it's have you ever been on the studland ferry the uh with, well, is that the one that goes to the isle of wight in, no in dorset um that oh, go, goes no. between the the two lands of the studland bay and um oh i might have done is it a chain ferry yes it is yeah yeah. Yes, I have then. So this is not a chain ferry in the Gambia because it's far too uh, the stretch of water is really long. It's but it always reminds me of it because of the, the style of this particular ferry. But you know, unlike in Studland where everybody sort of rolls on, they're very you know, and you might get out and walk around. This, this one, it's like a throng of people, people on there selling food, selling uh, clothes. There, uh, I mean, there's chicken and chickens and goats running everywhere. And oh, it's ju- it's just bedlam, but it's brilliant. And Kev, you could, you and I would quite happily cross that ferry there, back there, back all day long because you you would have so many wonderful stories. Everybody's really friendly, uh, except the the blooming African wasps. Last time I was on, I got stung by one. The cake lady brought me the cakes, and she brought me a wasp as well. Oh, I don't like the of that. <laughs> this thing was huge, Kev. It was like a dinner plate. It was like somebody had stabbed me on the head with a pencil. It it felt like, poof, and then everybody laughed at me. They call uh, they call the, uh, the the visitors there. They call us two babs, and uh, everybody was looking around saying, "Oh, two babs got stung," and and it was what? a great it was great sort of hilarity for everybody. I joined in obviously and winced a lot and pretended it was funny. Whilst inside, I was really crying. Why? Um, why two babs? Well, there's lots of different thoughts on this. One, one of them is because of, if you think of monetary, two bob, two bob. So mm. it used to be this sort of tipping amount, you know, his two bob. Right. So then they became known, known as two babs. There's, an, there's another reason for it. I can't think of the other reason. Moobs. Moobs. Is it because of your moobs? <laughs> if I went, it'd be about my moobs. Well, it comes it, to two moobs. It comes two bab and moobs. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think it's anything to do with that at all, Kev, funnily enough. I, I want to go, if I could go anywhere, I want to go to um, somewhere like Ascension Island. Oh, yes. Is, uh, yeah. uh, right in the middle of nowhere. I wouldn't like the flight into that, though, Kev. Have you seen the, the aircraft coming into Ascension Island? Uh, yeah, I knew Oof. somebody... Uh, what, what's the... Uh, maybe it wasn't Ascension Island. Uh, I knew a journalist a long time ago who... Uh, no, Cook Islands. Is it the Cook Islands where they had the um, child abuse things? I'm just looking it up now. Where are you going uh, with this one, Kev? Cook Islands, yeah, it might have been... No, was it the Cook Islands? Do, 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 give me a second. Why, blah, does that blah, story, blah. why does that story come to mind, though? Oh, well, because a, a journalist friend of mine had to go 
Well, oh, right. Okay. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't the Cook Islands. Anyway, it, it's like there's only about 25 people live on this place. And he had to go. First of all, he had to fly to Argentina. Then he had to fly to Falkland Islands. Then he had to fly from there to, I think, then he went to Ascension Islands. Then he got a boat and everything. It took about yeah. four days to get there. Wow. Right. And uh, it was a big story in the, in the Guardian about this tiny little British island where they were, there'd been issues with um, basically incest right right um, this, this is not not the cook islands now this is this is the place where your friend went yes yeah. um and uh and so they they couldn't do a court case or anything because they obviously like no judges can get there or anything so they had to self you know they had to do it by themselves so they built themselves a little prison for this 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 man um Blimey. and uh, it was basically a box and and he was allowed to you know, he, he all he had to do was sleep in it. Everything else he could carry on doing normally. What? Uh, yeah. What sort of justice story. is that? I know, I know. But they, they were trying to make a point that, you know, yes, you know, you, you've grown up with this kind of, uh, this philosophy of reproduction, but it's not right. right. No, it's not right, no. Uh, I'm, I'm just is, looking at pictures. Is, I'm just looking at the pictures of the Cook Islands, though. Yeah. Wow, look at this place. Yeah, Cook Islands would be ace, wouldn't it? Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Way too many people there for my liking, though. 17,000. That, but that's spread across 25 islands, Kev. <laughs> I know, but Ascension Island's only got 800 people. I could right. deal with that. Could you? Yeah. yeah. Do you like somewhere that's that's in the middle of nowhere, nobody goes there? Yeah, love it. Go on, you know, portraits, all of that kind of stuff. I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. I, there is a, an island just off Norway as well, isn't there? Have you... Which has okay. the uh, no? There's lots of little islands off Norway, but this one is a. Um, oh, it, you can go and be the lighthouse keeper. Oh, I love that as well. Just you, the lighthouse, the building. You can take some friends, or you can go on your own. Have you seen the film The Lighthouse? The the, the black and white one is that came out about I don't know eighteen two years ago maybe. No. Oh, you gotta watch that. Watch it in the dark, late at night, by yourself. Oh right! Is it like the fog? Do you uh, what happens it's in the a bit f- like that? Yeah, it's really, really good when the, film. When the fog it's all descends, black and white. Is, is it a horror then? Is it? Um, I wouldn't call it a horror. It's because I watched it. Um, I was going to say, although yeah. I did, there was bits that I didn't watch because I, I kind of went into the other room. But um, yeah, I wouldn't call it horror. Horror, probably. Let's just call it psychological thriller. Well, Mrs. Marple is usually your your limit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Simon McRae. Hey guys, just curious if you've seen the relatively new culling software called Narrative Select. Have we done this one? I don't think we have, actually. Uh, It has a lovely modern interface. It's lean and fast. Most importantly, it it has AI, which can evaluate all faces in a pick and grade each pick on face focus and eye opening. It does so in a very helpful and non-obtrusive way. It works wonders on group photos, isolating out each individual face in the side panel and grading each one individually. It doesn't care if people are looking at the camera or not, just that their eyes aren't closed. Wow. If you allow it, it will also silo bad pics for you automatically. Shipping the selected photos to Lightroom is done with a single click of the ship button. No setup needed, and you can import directly from card or from disk. I was sent an email by Narrative to test that, or not to necessarily test it, but you know, I, I, I get those emails. Can If you use this and then talk about it on YouTube, but it's Mac only, so I obviously can't use it, or it was then, anyway. But yeah, that sounds quite interesting, although I would never trust software to decide what a good picture is or not. But you wouldn't mind if it was your group shots, because then you could just... <laughs> it sounds like... No, sounds... they're all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kev. <laughs> But no, it, this would be this would be your helper because you could just shoot away on these and then say, "Do your best." 
and yeah. walk away. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds good. Yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah, Simon did say in brackets, "Looks like the AI tool you've been looking for, Kev." Yeah, maybe <laughs> it is. Maybe it is. But well, I'm not buying a Mac for it. <laughs> not even for group shots, Kev. <laughs> no uh, way, Jose. You, you surprised me. Right, should we do book of the week? Because we did book of the oh, week, yeah. week very late last week's show, and it was right at the end. And it's, it's unusual to do that as the last thing in the show. So, book of the okay. week. This one intrigues me, actually. It's called Do Photo. Do, do Photo. There's a sub kind of titles Observe, Compose, Capture, Stand Out. Yeah. And it's by Andrew Painter. Right. So, this book, this is like a Bible. I, I, I say it's a, like a Bible, but it's a, it's a new book to me. Yeah. But almost everything in here is the stuff that I you know, I witter on about all the time to people. I'll read you the blurb, right? Because the blurb is, is interesting. This isn't a book about how to take the best pictures. It's not even about the technical aspects of photography or how to make it as a photographer. In fact, it argues that you should take fewer photographs, ticking all the boxes there for me, by sharing 10 practices honed over a lifetime spent behind the lens working with clients such as Adidas, Strauss, Levi Strauss, Strauss, uh, and Apple. (laughs) Photographer Andrew Painter encourages you to develop a more considered approach to photography so that you craft pictures with care. So it's broken down into kind of mini sections. And it's ace. Uh, Honestly, you know, you've been on my workshops and stuff and and I'm forever telling people that anybody can be a photographer, but it's only you can see what you want to see and and be an observer and build your pictures that way. So this is this is broken down. There's not I mean, there is pictures to illustrate what, uh, what he's on about and the beautiful pictures as well but it's mostly text uh instructional stuff so practice number five so i've just flipped uh, happens to be the middle one and this is like my favorite one ever leave your ego behind Ooh. yes amen andrew painter and that's the end of the show we'll see you yes, next week that's it <laughs> So, uh, and interestingly, the first the first bit of text on that chapter says, my wife is a, is a nurse in the neonatal intensive care unit and her job is real. Yeah. She saves lives, mm. sees newborns die and experiences intense highs and lows with a range of patients under various circumstances. And then he, he kind of goes on to explain how that has not only influenced him in terms of how he views everything, but also, uh, you know, the bigger picture on life of life. And so his photography has kind of matured around that, uh, the, the ideology of, you know, everything is there to be photographed, everything is important kind of thing. But he's a photographer. Don't he's take not a neonatal nurse. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I always find that also a, a, a little bit, is dangerous the right word? Probably not. But, you know, where, where people think, well, I'm only this. And you think, no, you're not. You're that. It, it may not be. Um, Steve Wright used to say, sorry, for, for those that live in the UK, a bit of a clang here. But I remember Wrighty used to say when I worked at the Beeb, he'd say, it's not brain surgery, love. It's not brain surgery. Don't take yourself too seriously. Um, which was correct. And at the same time, though, I, I mean, I remember that feeling when our, our, our Chancellor said, or suggested, or it felt like he suggested, that we, we weren't in viable occupations. You know, our jobs weren't as important as, as key workers. And, and I, I, I felt a little bit uncomfortable about that because I was saying, well, what do you say? Is my life, is, is what I do pointless? Is it worthless? Yeah, and he can do everything he needs to do on a calculator. Yeah, but you know what I mean, though, Kev. Yeah, I do. That, I, I mean, do exactly it, what it, you mean. It, uh, the the conversation, funny enough, at a barbecue, we, we had Jack, uh, our eldest, I think he was trying to wind me up, said, "Well, everybody here, Daddy, is a key worker except you." 
<laughs> I know he was trying to wind me up, so I just threw a can of beer at him. But but no, I didn't really. Of course, I didn't. But but if, but you're right, Kev. Leave the ego at the door. Um, but but be careful you don't confuse ego with having self worth. I mean, we we don't cure cancer. We don't prone patients on a COVID ward. We don't teach tomorrow's great scientists and discoverers. We we take pictures or we make pictures, if you will. I mean, could the world turn without us? Probably. But we're all part of this fabric, and I, I always think that this know your place philosophy is is a tricky um, balancing act mentally. It, it feels like a, a parent placing their offspring back in the box, and they get too youthfully excited about something. But, but yeah, he, no, but I totally agree. I mean, the, 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 that's just one part of this book, yeah. basically. You know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll read out the ten sections. Yeah. Number one is be present. Yes. Very important. Oh. Number two, observe. Amen. Number three, connect. Number four, disarm your subject. Um, <laughs> disarm? <laughs> I think that's uh, like uh, when he's in conflict photography. <laughs> um, that's a joke. Uh, number five, leave your ego. Yeah. Number six, play. Number yeah. seven, create. Number yeah. eight, pace yourself. Number nine, invest. And number ten, curate. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. So the invest, uh, you know, element of things, um, I'm kind of glancing through the text here, is, uh, is more about time. Mm. Um, and energy, you know, and, uh, you know, your, I suppose that's coupled with the, um, the leave your ego element behind, you know, we've, we've all, not, not many people, but some people do, you know, think that they can just take shortcuts to becoming a, a you know, a really good photographer and, yeah. and there ain't no shortcuts. You just got to keep going and practice and, you know, and the better, the more you do it, the better you'll, you'll get. Six or seven. Uh, I can't remember what, what that one was, but play, play. That's a very good play. one. Yes. Yeah. Number six is play. Yeah. Um, now the picture on that one is uh, a picture. I'm not sure whether it's him, whether it's a self-portrait or not. Uh, somebody, uh, you know, a guy lying on a hump of land, pretending to be Superman. Um, <laughs> you know, and then he goes on to say, "My earliest and fondest memories are of long summer days spent swimming in the sea, running through fields, and exploring nearby forests with my friends." By approaching shoots uh, and individual photographs through a playful lens, you allow things to be and feel free. Yes. Play is the ingredient that allows you to truly create and let the camera become secondary. So, yeah, I mean, uh, re- you know, kind of reading between the lines there, it doesn't have to be pin sharp. It doesn't have to be perfectly aligned. It can just be fun. Fun is good. Yeah. I think that's what street photography does for so many people, and that's why... So many photographers do say it feels like their sort of their their catharsis moment, that you know they're out there, they're playing, they can do what they like, they they don't have to subscribe to any uh, any methodology or they they don't have to follow the rules. It, it, it's it's an open playground. Yeah. Number eight, pace yourself. Mm. Basically, do not shoot the shit out of it. Put your camera down. Watch, observe. They all in- interlink. All these things come together. Take it know. off motor wind. Yeah, be present, observe, uh, you know, it's, it's great. It's a lovely little handbook. It's only small. I would say it's like A5 size. Yeah. £8.99 from the Do Book Company. There well, we I was just looking the Do Book Company up, and, and um, it's they've got some great titles in here. Do Breathe, you know, Calm Your Mind, Find Focus. There's one here on uh, Do Team, How to Get the Best from Everyone. Do Design, Why Beauty is Key to Everything. There you go. What a great, what a great lineup of books here. The Do Books. The Do Books. The Do yeah. Books. The Do Do Do. Do Books. The, the do, do Book.co is yeah. the website. 
Yeah. Uh, we will, of course, link to it in the show notes that nobody ever reads. But um, oh, we Kev, will, they we do, will they there. do, they do read it. I, they don't. I sit there on. A, I'm in there on Monday, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for people to turn up. Oh yeah. Well, do you not notice the figures go through the roof? <laughs> no, people. Some people do use it. Yeah. Uh, but it's a podcast. Why would they? They don't need to go to the website. Well, if you were to put up a picture every week, a provocative picture of you, Kev, <laughs> in your pants in the front room, yeah, it's got okay. shock value, Kev. You've got to admit it. Yeah, I think that would truly frighten enough people off that our listeners would just disappear overnight. Uh, maybe not then. All right, well, I think then the the battle cry for this week is to go see the links to the stuff that we we discuss fujicast.co.uk and look for today's episode. There we are. Well, one of my one of my long, medium, short, long term project things is to move it to Squarespace, but because of the theme we used, yeah. I used when when we did it, that, that is a very very it's basically a start from scratch job. Wow. So uh, it's 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 on my list. On the list. I enjoy doing Squarespace content. Mm. I don't enjoy doing the WordPress stuff on a Monday morning, I have to say. It's it's a pain because it's WordPress and it's all weird. It's funny, but- isn't it? Because if you rewind, maybe nearly two years when we... Um, well, it must be. It's over two years now, Kev. Whenever it was when we started doing this podcast. In the early days of uh, the questions coming in about website design, probably it was very much, well, you must be used WordPress because of this, this, this and this. Yeah, I think it probably you're probably right. If we think right back to when we started, I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we don't need to talk about Squarespace and WordPress again. And there are others. We have had emails saying, you know, don't yeah. forget about uh, I think there's one called Format and yeah. uh, you know um, all the others and everything that are out there. But yes, um, however, it's 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 no fun. You know, last on Monday, for example, when I went in to do it, the PHP had been updated and that meant some of the plugins stopped working. And I was like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, what I said. You know how long you spend actually um, doing the show notes. Yeah. I spend as long putting bleeps in the show. <laughs> I know. I, I'm sorry. You do uh, it on yeah. purpose, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Paul, but it's only because we want to make it um, as family friendly as we can for you. But actually, um, the other day we had it playing in the house, and Thomas said, "What did Kev say then?" When he <laughs> so, so actually it, it created debate. <laughs> Um, here's one from Paul Marshall. Um, I'm, I'm on this kind of, have we done this? But he's very hot at the moment as we record this, and I can't remember. Hi, Neil and Kev. I've been planning a project close to my heart and have been given the go-ahead. This project will hopefully become a published piece, and the subject will be portraits of elderly parents, grandparents with dementia, and a small paragraph about their lives. The front cover will have my father's portrait in black and white. All images will be shot at the homes with lighting set up, my question to you and the viewers, the viewers, the listeners, is about planning the book side of the project. Any tips with suppliers would be great. Software uses to create the book, etc. What a project, Kev. Yeah, sounds amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, if you can get get it up and running and, yeah. and get going with it, do not, it. Not, yeah. e- not easy to do. Um, any suppliers? Well, we've had a few people of late use. Oh, who was it? It was at XYZ Books, which are really good. I, yes. I think, yeah. I think I might be wrong here. But I think that's the one that Alex Fredrickson used, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, and I, I th- and I believe she sort of got guidance on that one from the wonderful books that Sean Tucker puts out Correct. because I think he used them as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And the reason why they used them was because Blurb are great, and I'm a I'm a big proponent of Blurb, and I've used them for a lot of stuff that I've done. But I think when you're doing larger runs, the the finance and the setup of the the of the other company was better wasn't it yeah they they are 
I think I've never done one with them, but they do seem to be the ones that people go to. Yeah. Software, software to create it? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, you, you're I, probably going to be working in in design if you're doing it with anybody else, but somebody like Blurb. Blurb, of course, have their own um, their own software that you can use, which is really easy to use. Very good, well, you, actually. Yeah, and you can you can use you can also get a plugin for Lightroom for it as well. In terms of the um, the actual um, of the subject matter, though, that's a very powerful, very powerful subject there. Small paragraph about their lives as well. Good, yeah, luck. Good luck with that, Paul, because that, that's yeah. uh, incredible. If you get it done, send it in. We'll have it on Book of the Week. Yes. I think we've got time for another one from you, Kev. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, Stephen Jack, he says, Hey, guys, question for the podcast. Mm. Uh, please, can you briefly explain about external hard drives, SSD or HDD? Which one for what? Well, Kev. We're smack bang in your area of expertise, so we are. It's a, it's a little. The question's a little bit confusing because it says SSD or HDD. So an SSD is HDD stands for hard disk drive. SSD stands for solid state drive. And actually, a solid state drive is still a hard disk drive. Typically, though, a solid state drive is uh, is going to be a lot faster than a mechanical spindle drive, which is what most people kind of would traditionally have in their computers these days most laptops i would imagine all, all these new fancy mac what they call them m1s or whatever they probably all use solid state drives so yeah, yeah. um they're more expensive they're much smaller but they're a lot lot quicker the data speed transfer is is a, is a lot quicker well, they should be outrageously expensive then they're a lot cheaper than they used to be in fairness and you they're getting bigger as well so uh you know they it used to be like a 256 gig ssd in your laptop with yeah basically all you'd get but now you know you can get like two three and i think even possibly four gig ssds there is a downside with ssds in that the, the lifespan of them can be less can oh, be and by, i say can by be a lot or um sometimes yeah it depends i think now the technology is a lot better but yeah there's there's um there's there's kind of because it's something to do with i don't know like i really don't know what it is but presumably like the photons hitting the uh, the de- you know the the storage device is eventually right. it's going to run out eventually a little bit like using a memory card isn't it in yeah, your yeah. uh in your camera eventually it's going to wear down and of course a spindle drive a mechanical drive that also has a, a, a shelf life because eventually that spindle will break or the the read write head on top of it will will snap or something so i mean i i ssd for me all the way though that's yeah. my computer has my desktop computer here has uh, two ssds i use one of them for the operating system and, and software installed software and the other one is a two terabyte ssd which is my working drive so any editing filmmaking music whatever is all done on that two terabyte ssd and then i have four six terabyte mechanical drives in there as well so they are everything once once it's done off the working stuff is all shipped over to one of those drives my work Kev. you could power nasa with that i could yeah, yeah. That's because it's not Apple. (laughs) (laughs) I'll listen to you. I learned the other day something quite interesting, which is nothing to do with SSDs, but just while it's at the top of my mind, um, that every time you uh, go search for something on uh, A-L-E-X-A, I won't say the name in case then everything comes alive and you've got something in the room as you're listening to the show, then it's like um, every time you ask her a question, it's uh, tantamount to boiling four kettles because of the the big data thing wow really that's that's like been become a new thing only it's like elon musk wasn't it a couple of months ago said oh the internet's bad for the for the environment and everybody yeah. suddenly went is it is it how 
Yeah, and there, yeah. I mean, it must be because there's there's lots of power going over. You know, it's, there's a computer somewhere all doing it, isn't it? Well, it's all got to go off and search and do, and uh, even though it doesn't take very long. Now, I, I don't know whether it's four kettles. <laughs> well, that's that's what we were How talking about last night. No, How big are the kettles? Small kettles. It, it, is it like one of the ones you get in the travel lodge where you can't <laughs> even get it under the sink, or is it a big old, you know, five liter kettle? Well, I I don't know, Kev, but but it's four kettles. By the way, when you go and stay in. Not necessarily that one because it can be in any hotel. Do you always do you always boil the kettle with water? Do you run it through once, then pour it away, and then make your tea and coffee? No, I don't. But every time I don't do that, I remember you telling me the story that you might be about to tell. No, I'm not going to tell it again. Just just in case I've I've told it too many times, which sounds like I have. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you told me. <laughs> always, always boil your kettle. In fact, it's not very environmentally friendly though. So no. Just, Why? Just drink Why cold water. should you always boil your kettle in a hotel room, Neil? Because, because. people do strange things into kettles. <laughs> God damn and it. the and the reason never go to a hotel in Merthyr Tidwell then. <laughs> the, re, the reason I know that is not because I've done something like that <laughs> or had it done to me. Is I read this article where they'd done a test at various hotels and found bits of. Should we move on? Yes. Is uh, that the end of the show? Uh, Bye-bye. I, <laughs> I think it might be the end. I've just got one point to make, actually. It's not so much a question, but we'll, we'll end on this one, which is good news, because good news, Kev, Street is not on the way out. Thomas, really? uh, Thomas, it, I, and I'm going to get the name wrong. I know it, it's either Gerule or, uh, or Gerulat. Ger- Gerulat? Thomas in Germany. Thank you for the great podcast. I'm a happy listener since episode one. Just missed a couple of the uh, the early ones, uh, the, uh, the dailies during the pandemic. But you were talking about the laws and rules about photography and street, specifically in Europe, and stating that it would not be allowed in Europe. Situation, actually, is a lot better, specifically in Germany. GDPR, the law, generally sees taking pictures as processing of personal data, and therefore it would be protected and needs approval. However, GDPR also introduces the term, this is the important bit, Kev, legitimate mm-hmm. interest where every country can define a more specific view and exceptions. And this is what happened in Germany. The outcome is photographers have a legitimate interest to document any kind of event, any person attending an event, and that includes weddings, concerts, demonstrations, and so on, needs to assume that his or her picture or video is taken. So you have a sort of implicit approval as a photographer or videographer. You can share and publish wherever you want. That explicitly includes images where that person is the main subject, so portraits, dancing, people on street, no matter whether that person would be easily recognisable. So in Germany, you're good to go. And I personally Mm. believe that situation in many European countries is much better than the public claims makers believe. Well, that's good. So street photography, so says Thomas, is not going to die. Good. Massive. I'm off to Hoffenheim. <coughs> well, there we go. I love that name. Hoffenheim. Um, and that's it. I think that's a good good note to end on this week. You've got a little bit of kettle dilemma, and then and then knowing that street togging is is safe. Oh, you said togging. I know. I thought that's that might wind you up. Yeah. I'm going to go and join Fuji Love. <laughs> oh, you're on there, by the way. I did. Yeah, I saw. It was very. It was. Um, it was very weird being the other side of the microphone. Yeah, so if you want to listen to Neil uh, being interviewed, he's on Fuji Yeah, yeah I, was, I was on Fuji Love. Um, and it was, um, it, was, it, was, it was a really pleasant experience. I really, I really enjoyed it, actually. And I do like the podcast. So. That's it for this week. 
Um, if you can share the episode on Twitter or Facebook, you're an absolute star. Let us know where you're sharing because we'd like to give those platforms a shout out too. See you in the Facebook group for any questions you have about today's show. Play nice, of course. Right, we do need some questions because as summer comes up, usually it means we, I don't know why, traditionally we seem to get less questions in the in the summer. So uh, don't forget us. Um, in send- the summertime when the questions are low. <laughs> oh, that was a big hit. Who did that one? <laughs> Um, and of course, um, Kev won't be in Spain this year doing the. In fact, it was. Was it last year? We did, you were in Spain and I was in the UK doing this. I know it was the no, year before. It wasn't it? It was the, the year, year before. before. Yeah. So we definitely need your questions. Send them to click at fujicast.co.uk or you can send them via the Facebook group. Thank you to all those that support the show by Patreon. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. And we will see you next week. Bye, Kev. Bye bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.